Lord, being able to see the invisible hand of God moving in our midst. Lord, we're thankful for uh, your provision and your direction with Rosalinda and the new baby. Lord, we just thank you for your strength, your provision each day, traveling mercies, and Lord, just the grace to be your servants wherever we go. Lord, I thank you for what you've done for our church. And Lord, the testimony that you have given us, not only as a church that have re- has received very much that we may be in the situation that we are, but a church that gives very much as well. And we just thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being your servants and using what you've given us to be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Constitution and bylaws, uh, wave your hand there, Brother Michael, pass them out. And um, I believe we'll be able to follow, finish the, um, the doctrinal portion, our statement of faith. And um, then we'll move on to the uh, government of our church, what it means to be a member and all of those things. Uh, we are now uh, Section H. Uh, Section H, uh, the pages are not numbered, but if you'll just flip the pages over. Um, Section 8, human sexuality. Uh, It is a shame that we have to put an article in our church constitution on this subject. Uh, But in this day and time where we live, we must do such things because... We have people running around saying, thank God I'm a homosexual, God made me this way. And of course that is not true, Um, not true according to the scripture. And on the other hand, we've had other people, uh, uh, I will not tell you who this was, but this was at one time a member of our church uh, years ago. Most, Most of us here would not know this person if I did call the name, but the testimony was God wants me to be happy. And I'm happy living with my boyfriend. And so therefore, I'm going to live with my boyfriend and I'm going to stop coming to church because I know I shouldn't come to church if I'm doing such things. And uh, I said, yeah, that's true. If you're going to live against the word of God, don't bother showing up to church. That's not what it's about. And uh, so uh, human sexuality is a gift from God. It's to be exercised and enjoyed between husband and wife in the marriage relationship alone. Uh, That's the answer to the problems of our society. And uh, the Bible teaches the highest of all moral standards. Uh, There is not one group, one religion, one organization that has come anywhere near to the Bible standard of morality. And um, and so, and and we talk about people talk about the high standards. Uh, and I guess we might as well just put this in there, of the quote unquote Roman Catholic Church, where they give up marriage to be priests and to be nuns and all of this stuff. But uh, sufficient to say, history has proved that while that standard may be written down. Uh, the most vile things, that uh, darkest chapters of human depravity are written inside the history of the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, let's just not go there. And um, so uh, the Bible says that it is good for a man not to touch a woman. That's 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 
And by the way, uh, anytime I have the ability to counsel anyone uh, on dating and things like this, keep your hands off each other till you get married. If you can't, that is evidence that your relationship is not what it ought to be. The first time I held my wife's hand is when her father walked her down the aisle and gave it to me. I'll tell you, that's what the Bible is saying. People say, you can't do that in this day. Oh, yes, you can. If you so desire, if you will, just simply obey the Bible commands. And let me tell you, it will save you a lot of grief. Um, we stand against immoral behavior, period. And I got a list there, and we're not going to take time to read the list tonight. Uh, and by the way, we don't want the list to be exhaustive uh, just simply because of all of the things that are attached. But, uh, but any individual, ch- uh, paragraph 2, that shall engage in such conduct outside is outside biblical parameter and shall be subject to dismissal from church membership till such a time he or she can be renewed according to biblical procedure. If, if you are living outside God's moral standard, you cannot serve the Lord in his church. And, um, if, and the, uh, when someone joins the church, I often have to ask questions like, are you married? Are you living with your boyfriend or your girlfriend? Are you, are you, are you? Because if we don't ask those questions, people just take it for granted that that type of behavior is permissible in our society today. In fact, I had a man years ago sit down with me when we lived in our apartment, and he says, is it against the Bible to, live, uh, to cohabit with my girlfriend? And I just looked at him. I said, how old are you? He said, well, uh, and he gave me his age, and he was not a young man, middle age by anybody's standard. And I said, where in the world did you get that idea? He says, well, my, my girlfriend attends certain, certain charismatic type church, and, and she said, it's fine. I said, do you really believe that? He says, no, that's why I'm asking you. I said, do I really need to answer this question? He said, probably not. You're right. But we live in a society where people want to believe it's okay. And we've got to take a stand against that. And there have been many times, praise God, not in our church, but in other churches where People who are teaching Sunday school and even pastors have engaged in immoral activity and they must be subject to dismissal from any office in the church and from membership of the church until such a time behavior uh, is remedied. And so we need to pray about the moral purity of our church. God will not bless a church that allows immoral behavior. And by the way, God is the one that forgives and reconciles and heals. And that is the goal of the church is to bring that person back into the fellowship of the church and to serve Christ together. 
the subject of marriage. Marriage is a picture of Christ's love for his church. Therefore, marriage is to be for the duration of the lives of those involved. By the way, murder is not an option. It is a sacred vow before God and can only be broken when God's standard for morality has been violated. Divorce is never encouraged and is only a last recourse due to the hardness of wicked hearts. Jesus told the Pharisees that God had never intended for divorce. They said, why did Moses then give a writing for divorcement? And Jesus said, except for the hardness of your hearts. And, um, but once a person is divorced, uh, they may not serve as deacon or pastor in the church. Those are biblical requirements. When it says husband of one wife, it does not mean one at a time. Uh, of course, it deals with the idea of polygamy, marrying more than one wife at a time. And that was still in practice in certain parts of the world in the Roman days. But if the wicked Romans were against polygamy, don't you think God's church ought to be against it? Amen? And um, so once, once you violate those things, you are, are not uh, allowed to serve as a deacon or a pastor in the church. The family was first instituted by God in the Garden of Eden. Let me ask you a, church, let me ask you a question. Was there the tabernacle in the Garden of Eden? Was there the church in the Garden of Eden? Okay, the reason why I ask you these questions, just want you to think about something. Uh, when you get married at the justice of the peace, God recognizes that as a real marriage. It doesn't have to be marriage in a church. Uh, if you just take your spouse, your boyfriend or girlfriend, and go out to the park and sit under the stars and say, we're going to be married tonight, God does not recognize that. Uh, there is a legal process to being married. There is a public testimony and a private one. And you have to have both to constitute a biblical marriage. Um, and we take a stand against all attempts to demean or destroy marriage. Uh, if you want to know where we stand on sodomite marriage, uh, of course, just using that term tells you where we stand on that. Uh, the, word, the reason I use the word sodomite is that's the Bible word for homosexual. And uh, it is a very offensive word to homosexuals. And of course, uh, I'm not afraid of being offensive to people who disregard and disdain God's law. And, and so, uh, Brother Shaw made a suggestion. And in this day and time, I, I took a suggestion. Husband. The husband, male by birth. Um, Brother Shaw said, we ought to put that in there. Does that not give a testimony to how ridiculous the world in which we live has become? But is there anyone that argues that we should take that out? I didn't think so. I mean, we, we got we to put that in there. The husband, male by birth, is to be the head of the home and its leader. He is responsible directly to God for his, leadership, for his leadership of his home. He is to love his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. He is to bring up his children and nurture and admonition of the Lord. He needs to lead his family to God 
and the church provide for their physical needs, provide for their emotional needs, and provide for their spiritual needs. Here's a big one. He is to dwell at home and show his children by example what it is to live for Christ. This is the highest calling of a man and the and his most sacred duty as he cannot truly serve God without properly leading his family. In fact, the Bible says, if a man provide not for his own, he is worse than an infidel and hath denied the faith. And so uh, this is just a summary of, of the jobs and the position and the duty of the husband in the family. And by the way, I've heard preachers uh, uh, talk about this many times, you have your service to God first, your family second, or actually your service to God first, your service in the church second, and your family third. Now, I don't believe in that. I don't believe you can divide up your responsibility because as I serve God, I must serve Him in my family. As I serve God, I must serve Him in my relationships to other people. It is an all-or-nothing proposition. Either you're serving God and taking care of your family and maintaining proper relationships and service in the church, or you're not. Don't make a multi-tiered service for the Lord because it never works. And many pastors have lost their families because they have decided to serve the Lord in that fashion. And, and that is something that we just, we, we just cannot have. You, you must keep your family or, or I have no right to be the pastor of the church. And so we, we want to, to work on this. The wife, female by birth, is to be the help meet of her husband. That is not a helpmeet like playmate. It is an help specifically designed by God. She is to reverence him and to aid him in making their home one that honors Christ. The wife is to guide the home and allow the husband to be her leader as she did with Christ when she was saved. Children are an heritage of the Lord. They are special gifts from God and are to be trained to serve him. Uh, I get a little nervous when I hear people saying, but your kids are going to be scattered all over the world. Well, that's what we trained them for. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to miss them, but I train my children to serve God wherever He calls them. And if you'll start that when they're little, you'll be able to deal with it when they get big. Yeah. I, my, my prayer is that God would call my children into His service. And... Um, He's called Peter to travel far, all the way to the west side of Manhattan at this point. And uh, Peter wants to start a church there. And that means we're going to have to put up with him again. No, I mean, he's going to come home after he graduates. And Lord willing, he'll serve here in the church. His brother Mike's going to be going on deputation. And uh, we'll have a, an opportunity for service here. And I'm going to recommend that we take Peter and give him an opportunity to grow in ministry and to prepare himself to start a church. And we'll have to pray he finds a wife. That can be quite a challenge, especially for Peter. And so, but I'll tell you what, I don't want him to rush into it. You can't make a mistake. You cannot. 
I, I've told, I can't tell how many people, and I, and I believe it. I believed it when I was looking for a wife. I'd rather spend my whole life single than married to the wrong person for five minutes. I want that for our, my children. I want it for everyone in our church. Children are commanded to be obedient to their parents. Right? Okay. And uh, who are commanded to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Children cannot be left on their own. It is a parent's God-given responsibility to shape the child's life according to biblical truth and instill within them the biblical truths of right and wrong and of good and evil. Uh, this idea of just allowing your child to grow up and make their own decisions is from the devil. You are to train your children. And uh, somebody said, well, they'll grow out warped. They'll grow up warped. Yeah, that's exactly correct. How many of you have ever seen those beautiful old wooden ships? Say like the ones in the harbor and stuff. You ever wonder how they get those boards to bend? Well, that's what a warp is, my friend. What they do is they will steam those boards or soak them in water until they become somewhat pliable. Some of those boards are this thick and like this. And they will work with that board until it bends into the shape of the ship. When they built the USS Constitution, Constellation, and, and the Constitution, they built them out of live oak in, in Florida. And uh, the cannonballs of the British ships would literally bounce off because that, of the thickness and the flexibility in that wood. And um, it was not that they were never damaged, but that's why they called the Constitution old Ironsides and, and her sister and ship the same way because they didn't have wood like that in, in the European coast to build their ships. And, and our ships were quite, uh, quite superior. But the reason they wore was because they warped that wood into place. And let me tell you, we could use a little warping on the building blocks of this next generation so that they serve the Lord instead of everything else. Amen? Amen. Separation. You don't have to be around this church very long to hear that word. But I'll tell you, you could go to most churches, most Baptist churches, even some of our fundamental, independent, Bible-believing Baptist churches, and you'll never hear the word separation. Uh, each person, each saved person is called to live a life separated from the world. Each member of this church is to live a life separated from worldly pleasure and practice. There are to be no loyalties to secret organizations, lodges, or groups of a religious nature that hold doctrines contrary to this church. Any questions shall be subject to the Bible. Um, I don't spend a lot of time because the Masons just aren't very big around here. But if you're a member of the Masons, uh, you have no right to, or nor should you be a member of our church. Uh, if you're a member of the Fraternal Order of Oddfellows, uh, how many even have heard of such an organization? They do exist, the IOOF. And they used to have buildings everywhere. And um, 
But uh, these are what we call secret organizations. You should not be a member of God's church and a member of a secret organization because your allegiance should be to the Lord, not somewhere else. And um, uh, let's see here, where are we here? Um, Each member is to live his life as an ambassador for Christ, giving a good testimony for Christ and his church. Therefore, a member of this church should not patronize places that would hinder this testimony. Participate in activities that would bring reproach on the name of Christ or follow the immodest dress fads of the world. Okay? I don't believe a Christian ought to go to a movie theater. If I walked into a movie theater, you have no idea whether I'm watching Bambi, which I despise, uh, because it's an anti-hunting movie, or whatever killer thriller bloodbath drenched in immorality they happen to be showing on the screen. You have no way of knowing what I am watching. That's why I can tell you as pastor of this church, I have never been in a movie theater, never bought a movie ticket, and have no intentions of ever doing so. Uh, If you have cable, I really think you ought to think about getting out a pair of snips and getting rid of that thing because it brings into your home all kinds of filth and trash and garbage. You say, but I couldn't even watch TV. I can't get the news. Oh, you can get the news 40,000 different ways. You know what? It's getting almost obscene to listen to the radio anymore. And uh, it, it just, uh, and buying a newspaper, how many have looked through your newspaper recently? I mean, it's just full of things that no Christian should be looking at. This is what we mean by separation. What would you think of your pastor if you saw me walking out of a bar? What's the pastor doing in there? Well, what do you think your friends and acquaintances would think if they saw you walking out of the same place? Oh, she's a Christian. It's okay to drink. No, it's not. Don't give an excuse. And we, this is what separation means. And I've often used this example on dress. If you came to church on Sunday morning and there was a big old chromed up, chopped up Harley sitting out front and uh, I was wearing leather pants and chains and had one of them spiked helmets with a ponytail hanging off the back sitting on the pulpit here. Just because I chose to put those clothes on, does that change me as a person? Does it? Of course not. But it changes what you think about me now, doesn't it? That's what separation is. It's taking away people's excuse to believe the gospel. It's being real 24 hours a day. Amen? It says... We realize that this is the result of a growing relationship with Christ and do not mean to include those who are in the process of allowing Christ to change their lives. There is a process of growth. And that's why we... uh, Listen, I, I do not, and I'm not going to apologize for this, I do not stand in the pulpit and explain to our women how they ought to dress. My wife does that in the ladies' meetings. That's where that ought to happen. 
And, and if you have questions, there are reasons why we believe and practice the way we do. And, uh, and those reasons come from the Scriptures. And so don't um, just immediately write it off as some kind of cultic practice. What it is, is making ourselves as Christians look the part of a Christian wherever we are. Amen? Wow, got quiet. Amen? Amen. Am I still the pastor? Please? Now, not only should we have personal separation, and separation ought to be something you grow in. If you're not doing it from the heart, it's not real. Therefore, it's just simple hypocrisy. We don't need that. But you ought to ask God to help you grow in your separation from the world. Amen? And uh, this church shall separate from all other churches and organizations that differ from this doctrinal statement. This church shall not be a part of nor participate in any movement or organization that recognizes false doctrine as true or attempts to have unity based on no doctrine. Our doctrine is our identification with Christ and His church and is never to be compromised. Now, just so you understand, uh, one of the things I've asked your permission over the years to be involved with Heartland Baptist Bible College on its board of directors, the reason I ask, ask your permission is because it costs money to make those trips. And, uh, and I make the trips and, and involved in what is going on in Heartland because I've seen what happens to Bible colleges where preachers who do not believe this get, in, get on the board of directors. That's what happened to my Bible college. Now they have a rock band on the platform. Uh, they train worship leaders to get up and dance on the stage so that they, people can learn about Jesus. Let me tell you, that's not Jesus. Uh, they have preachers that have skateboard outreaches where they thump heavy metal Christian music 10 or 12 hours a day, give a 15-minute devotional middle of the day and call it ministry. Uh, I call it a bucket of puke uh, because that's what it is. It makes God sick and it ought to make you sick. And if pastors like myself do not serve on these boards and help, give guidance and direction, then let me tell you who's going to be on the board and who's going to give that guidance and direction. It's going to be the other people. And so I thank you for your privilege, for the privilege of serving there. Uh, I also serve on the board of directors for the Global Independent Baptist Missions Board. And uh, what that is is a fellowship of like-minded churches. Brother Bob Lewis is the associate director of the missions board. He was here, preached our missions conference did a great job, I believe. I really enjoyed that. And uh, we have literally hundreds of churches uh, throughout this country that identify with the Global Independent Baptist Fellowship and its doctrinal statement. It was started 10 years ago uh, in the auditorium, Cleveland Baptist Church in Cleveland, Ohio. Guess what? I was there. My preacher said, you're going to be there at the meeting, Brother Folger. And so... Uh, we were there, and uh, uh, a fellowship of churches is simply that. It's a group of churches that have said, we want to meet and encourage one another in service for the Lord. As a pastor, 
I need fellowship. I need somebody to preach to me. And, and I'm not reflecting poorly. Brother Franz and Brother Mike and other people that come in do a great job. But when, when pastors need preaching, it's fellowship meetings are the greatest thing for that to happen. And so twice a year we'll go to a fellowship meeting. The next one's going to be in Louisville, Texas in February. And then the following one is going to be in Kalispell, Montana in September. And um, I've known Brother Leidick for many, many years. All you students at Heartland know Brother Leidick. And, and, uh, and he really helped us when we were buying our building. Not only did he give, but he influenced other pastors to give and be a part. And so this is what the fellowship is. And, uh, and this is who we identify with. That's why I no longer, uh, I, as a pastor, I wrote a note to the Baptist Bible Fellowship in Springfield, Missouri. I said, please remove our name from your book because we do not want to be identified with the doctrinal practices of the Baptist Bible Fellowship. Now, when I graduated school, that was not the case. But things have changed in 25 years, changed drastically. And uh, if things change in the GIBF, guess what? I'll write them a letter and tell them to take me out of their dirty little book. Uh, because our church isn't changing. We fellowship with other pastors and other churches based on our doctrine. The devil. I'm going to get that one. Beelzebub, the little tiny fly, is flying around right here in front of my face. I don't know if you can see it or not, but we believe the devil to be a real person who was created by God as the anointed cherub that covereth. Due to his pride, he fell from this position, became the devil and Satan, and he is the accuser of all Christians. Aside from human nature, the devil is the source of all temptation and is the promoter of all that is evil. His desire is to keep unregenerate man from the truth of salvation and hinder Christians in their efforts to effectively serve Christ. He was conquered by Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and is to be resisted in the power of Jesus Christ. The end of the devil is to be eternal suffering in the lake of fire. Don't go fight the devil. Get behind Jesus. Uh, eschatology. We believe the pre-tribulational, pre-millennial, imminent return of Christ for His church. There will be seven years of tribulation followed by the restoration of Israel and the millennial kingdom of Christ here on earth, consummating in the eternal state of the new heavens and the new earth. Now, that sentence there uh, is explained in a whole library full of books. But... This is what we believe, and uh, this is why we reject Mr. Camping, who believes the tribulation period is 23 years long and started in 1994 and, and is going to end uh, whatever 1994 and 23 are. Uh, I think 2011 is the midpoint of that period. I'm not sure. No, that doesn't. nothing makes sense when you're talking with Harold Camping. Let's see, 1994, 17 years... No, that still doesn't make any sense. Uh, Mr. Camping got his numbers based on the number of fish in the net that the disciples uh, pulled out uh, in John chapter 21 multiplied by the number of nations, which he believes to be 150. 
divided by uh, the baskets that were left over from the feeding of the 5,000. I mean, the guy's a crackpot. Uh, we just believe what the Bible says. Amen. Civil government. I think we can get this done. Uh, we believe government to be ordained of God and should be respected by the Christian so as to give a testimony for the God which we serve. We are to obey its laws, pay taxes, and be involved in its process, i.e. vote. Uh, this obedience must be done as unto the Lord, and if any time a decision must be made to either obey one and disobey the other, we will choose to obey God rather